Hello, welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, co-founder and CEO of Champion Health, and we've put this podcast on for people like you that want to drive well-being throughout your organization. I'd like to welcome Jack Green to the podcast today. Jack's going to be the co-host going forwards, but he's the first guest on this podcast initially. Jack's background is an Olympian, head of performance for Champion Health, and the ex wellbeing lead for a global organization. And I can't wait to share the insights that Jack's got for you within this podcast today. Enjoy. Hi, Jack, how are you? Yes, all good, thank you. Pleased to be here, even though I co-host it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the first one. Um, so what we're going to do is get straight into it. So you're the first guest that we've had, but also the co-host, which is a, a strange mix. Um, but what we're going to do, go straight into the, the nitty gritty. So obviously you've had an illustrious career within uh, with being an Olympian, uh, within athletics, ran it 2012-2016. What lessons have you learned that HR leaders, business owners, people that are implementing wellbeing strategies can take away from the lessons that you've learned over the last 15 years? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And obviously, my, my passion is is sport, but it's also helping people and helping people thrive, be that in well-being or on the track with my coaching. And some of the things I've had to learn along the way is that performance is inclusive, that we're all high performers, no matter whether you're trying to be the best you, the best parent, the best sibling, whatever it might be, you are a high performer. I don't think that gets kind of said enough. I think too often we we make it elitist. We think you have to be an Olympic athlete to be a high performer. And you don't. We're all high performance. We're all striving to be the best we can be. But then also understanding you're a human being. So that's something I really struggled with for a long time. And I think a lot of people within HR, a well-being lead role like I used to be, sometimes we forget we're just looking after human beings. Yeah. So how are we looking after the human being rather than just that specific part of them, the employee, the athlete, whatever it might be? How are we looking after the human being? Because I'm incredibly passionate about if you are thriving personally, you are more likely to thrive professionally. It doesn't work the other way around. So how do we support the whole person so that they can thrive in the workplace and then thrive with performance? So you mentioned in terms of thriving, in terms of performance for everyone, how do we get that across to the everyday person um, within the organization? If you're a CEO and you're really focused on high performance, or if you're a HR leader that's really leading the way, how can you get that across into into actionable ways for um, the rest of the team? Yeah, the interesting part of this, and and this is something I, I talk about a lot with well-being strategies and how to implement them, is role modeling. As an individual and as a leader, as a manager, you have to role model the behaviours that you expect. You can't demand that people take their breaks and prioritise themselves if you're not willing to do that as well, because it shows that it's not actually important if you don't do it. No matter how flat a hierarchy we do, we we try and create, there's always leaders involved and there's always people that we look up to or, or have responsibilities. So how as a leader are you role modelling and then how are you communicating that with your people, be it in all staff calls, the emails and the contact you're sending out? How are you then showing 
that you should prioritize performance, prioritize well-being, and that also that you struggle. So there's the vulnerability piece, which I think is becoming more and more important in the workplace in the last 12 months with the pandemic, is yeah. leaders are now, the good leaders are the ones that can actually be human beings, connect with their yeah. people, show that they struggle too, whether that's they needed a, a well-being day or an extra hour off because they've got family issues or whatever well-being issues might be there. Whereas normally a leader wouldn't show that. But those leaders are now starting to thrive and their organisations are doing better because vulnerability is key. Fantastic. Now, that's some really useful insight for everyone. In terms of um, looking at the, the whole of the workforce and workplace health as a whole at the moment, there have never been as many workplace wellbeing providers. We know that it's saturated. HR keeps saying how noisy it is. But yeah, workplace health is getting worse. So there's, there's a bit of a, a mismatch at the moment that there's more providers, but well-being is getting worse. Where is workplace health failing for you at the moment? And where does it really need to improve by 2025? I think moving forward, obviously, there's this big part around well-being is, is soft, nice, fluffy, that nice to have. And as you already know with me, I believe it's the foundation of high performance. And I think that needs to be communicated because then it will be taken more seriously because people will understand that I don't just do this because I'm forced to or because someone else thinks it's a good thing or HR thinks it's nice, but because I then understand that if I'm looking after myself, I will then thrive. If we think of that from a sports context, which is obviously the world I first came from, sports people preach about recovery. Yeah. Recovery is just well-being. Recovery is you look after yourself so when you need to turn it on and when it's race day, when it's competition day, you're ready to go. And you understand that if you've got a really hard day in training, you then need to recover even harder as such. Yet we mm -hmm. never do that in the business. So for me, that's a big part of it. But also having everything in one place is really, really important. It's something I struggled with as, as a well-being lead at BBC Studios. We had lots of fantastic resources, fantastic people, but no one knew where they were or how to access them. So for me, let's create this hub, let's put everything in one place. And obviously being champion health and head of performance, it's something that we're really, really passionate about and are trying to bring together and I believe have done very well. But it's something that I think moving forward, that has to be a legitimate thing in terms of is everything in one place? Is it easy to access? And also, does it look good? I remember looking at intranets from all the companies that I've worked with and they tend to be grey, 500 clicks away. Now, when I'm struggling with mental health, I don't want to click 500 times. I don't want to look at grey. My life already looks grey. So that's something we're passionate about at Champion Health. We've tried to bring into to our platform and, and definitely succeeding with. But I think it's something we need to look at moving forwards. But yeah, a lot of what I've said already translates into that before 2020, 2025. Yeah. But um, yeah, for me, it's, it's that one place and making sure that link between performance and well-being is, is kind of bridged. Yeah, and it's, it's connecting things. We know that 94% of organisations have an EAP, for example, yet utilisation of the EAPs are around 3%. That was the latest REBA statistics within there. And we need to bring it all together. Uh, and I think that's really important. Um, and something we've spoken about at length is the, the platforms that we use, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Spotify, even Amazon, everything's one click away. Everything's really easy. And that's what we need to really do for, for workplace health. So I completely agree with you there. I think another thing that I'd love to, to ask your opinion on, you're obviously one month into Champion Health, and it's just been an absolute whirlwind of a month. 
is how have you found working at Champion in terms of your well-being? Um, you've obviously hit the ground running. Um, you've made a, a really strong impact already delivering, I think, around 15, 20 talks already to our members um, and, and really talking about how you can help them. But how have you found your well-being and looking after your well-being within Champion? Is there anything that you think Champion needs to do going forwards as well? Yeah, it's always difficult being someone who's passionate about well-being and trying to help everyone else. Typically, you're the kind of person who would then sacrifice yourself to help sure. others because that's that's why you tend to go into this this world. And I'm very much like that, being a coach, having mental health issues in, in, in the past and continuing to manage them now. I always want to be able to help other people, but I'll sacrifice myself. And I've, as you know, I've probably done that to elements in, in this job, but I also know, and it's about managing myself, that I have to get stuck into things and I have to go 100 miles an hour for a short amount of time so I feel confident, I feel up to speed before then setting those boundaries. And that lesson is just because you should be doing things a certain way doesn't mean that's the same with everyone else. So for me, I know I have to give give that moment of work hard, get stuck in before setting those boundaries. Otherwise, I won't feel as happy. So understanding that well-being is individual and performance is individual. So some people wouldn't be able to do what I've, I would do in the first month. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no right or wrong answer. But for me, it's 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 setting those boundaries of Here's my lunch break. Here's my little breaks here and there, but also being open and honest. And it's something that I love at Champion and, and why I joined is it's a great group of people who are genuinely passionate and genu genuinely want to help, which means I'm in an environment where if I was struggling or I did need a moment, I can just say it. And I don't even need to say it. That's actually the most beautiful thing is I can just take that break and it's not a problem. Um, and that for me is is really important in a, in an organisation that psychological safety, which I know we've we've talked mm. about a lot and had a, a live session earlier um, earlier in the month with that. And yeah, for me, is your your environment safe enough to allow good well being? Do we create that space for someone like me to be able to say, actually, yes, I've worked a lot on this month, but now I just need to step back for this day or this week, and and am I allowed to have that conversation? And in terms of having that conversation, I think that's crucial. Um, one of the things that we we talk about across the organization is the phrase of freedom with accountability. I think that's really important that we trust everyone to get the job done. But there does always need to be a, a layer of accountability within there as well. Um, and a lot of people say, OK, psychological safety, it sounds a bit wishy-washy, for example, um, and a nice to have, um, but we still need to perform as a business. And I think those values really ring true across the organization, that if you need to take an hour's break, if you need to take the day off even, um, then that is absolutely fine because we know that you'll come back, you'll be more committed to, to the organization and to the cause, and you'll be able to deliver more value to our members, which is, is, is one of the most important things within there. For me, it's that return on investment, understanding that if I give someone an hour, I give someone a day because they need yeah. it. It shows I value them, value them as a human being. It shows I understand them. But also, if I give them that day, I'm probably going to get back a week's worth of fantastic work, not only because they feel like there's that belonging and that value to an organization, but because they're rested. So then the quality goes up. Yeah. So it's not a, I haven't lost a day. I've actually gained seven more. And obviously, that's a stat I pulled out of the air. But uh, you've gained something for, for giving someone that time. And I don't think people think about that enough. They just look in the moment and go, well, hold on, no, we'll lose lose a day's work. You won't. You'll only gain. 
Brilliant. Thank you, Jack. And we're, we're nearing the end now of, of our first um, ever, ever podcast. Is there one takeaway that you can provide to well-being leads, HR leaders, CEOs, or even employees that want to support um, their colleagues' well-being? Uh, number one, and, and you know I preach about it, I've already preached about it on the pod, but that whole thing of performance and well-being live together. We all have high performance. We are all high performers. We all have well-being and well-being is a foundation of high performance. So whenever you're writing strategies or interventions, whatever it might be, remember your people are human beings, but they're also high performers. Fantastic. Thank you, Jack. A huge thank you to Jack for sharing his insight in the first 12 minutes of Workplace Health podcast. What a way to kickstart the series. If you'd like to gain more exclusive access to the world's best well-being experts in workplace health, then just search 12 Minutes of Workplace Health on your preferred podcast platform. Look forward to seeing you there.